Red Bulls getting set to their season opener, which will take place down in the Dominican Republic. And as we were doing last time that New York had the first part of their preseason down in Florida, we are here in the beautiful state of Arizona with another edition of our Players Only podcast called Kicking It. On the episode today, we've got a pair of MLS veterans in Connor Lade, and we'll follow that up with Derek Etienne Jr. Connor, we put you first, because if we put Derek first, I'm sure he would have said, see, I'm first. So we kind of arranged it in a, in a little bit of a different way. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's nice to be here with you, uh, catch up a little bit, and uh, give you some updates along the way as uh, preseason's been going on. So so uh, there's so many things that I, I want to talk to you about. Um, and, and if you look at it, even off the field, when you think to yourself as you start another season of your career, your eighth professional year, do you ever say to yourself, where's the time gone? You know, I often do. And when people ask me, you know, what season this is for me or, uh, you know, my friends talk about how, how long I've been playing and it's, it's uh, you know, I have to step back and kind of think about it. And it's like, wow, it's where has time gone? Um, you know, you look and there's we're signing 18 year olds, 16 year olds, you know, these kids that uh, I wasn't dreaming of playing professional soccer at their age, and they're signing with the first team. I'm that makes me even uh, feel a lot older. So, but it's uh, you know I'm very lucky. Obviously, going into year eight, I'm really excited. I feel I feel healthy. I feel strong. I feel ready to contribute to the team. And you know, you think of it from a perspective of I'll say the Red Bull philosophy, which is trying to take advantage of the academy and you look up and down the roster and in parenthesis on the roster it says hg you know you you in a way were the guy who started it all you know you think back to you went to st john's you went for four years which in today's day and age is probably a rarity but you go through four years of st john's and you sign a homegrown contract back then did you ever think like yeah it's not it not really uh as big of a deal then as it probably is now yeah, it was kind of uh, that first year I played with the U18s was the first year that uh, kind of the academy was, the U.S. Development Academy was being, uh, uh, it was their first year of existence. And so that was, uh, you know, being in that first class, we were kind of the guinea pigs of uh, this academy system. And obviously the academy was there before me and it's really thrived after me. But uh, being in that class with a lot of good players, it was uh you know, the first real serious club team I played for. And to go through the Red Bull Academy was uh, an incredible experience. And for, um, you know, my my journey's a lot different than the kids were, or the kids are now. And the guys that are signing with the first team, you know, a lot of them, you know, go to college for a year, like Derek, or, you know, guys who don't go to college at all. And, you know, you look like a Tyler Adams. And so there's... My route was definitely a lot different than these guys. I needed that time in college to develop, both technically, physically, uh, and so I think I think for me, my journey had to take that path. I think we're gonna have to change my status of HG to OG. I think now, uh, old you know, guard, <laughs> exactly. 
And so, uh, yeah, I don't necessarily feel like one of the young guys anymore. When I look around, I'm one of the older guys in the locker room. And so it's, I still feel young. That's the most important thing. Well, you still feel young and you're still um, not just a big part of what will be the 2019 New York Red Bulls, but even connecting the dots. So you think to yourself, you've got yourself as that first homegrown signing. And then you've got that kind of middle aged player in terms of years in the league in a Sean Davis. And then, and we talked to him when we were down in Florida, like an Omir Fernandez who just signed and to be the, the latest guy, the Ben Mines, you mentioned Tyler Adams, Derek, all the guys that have kind of come through you, you all, I'm sure in a way share a bond, not that other players can't appreciate, but it's your own little club in a way. For sure. I mean, that's what makes the being a homegrown so special. For you to be able to play for your hometown club, it's, you know, that's is a little piece that, you know, not a lot of guys can say that they, uh, you know, different guys who play for the team, obviously they care about the club, they care about the badge, they they want to play hard for this club, but for, for us homegrowns, this is the team we grew up loving, this is, you know, we were in the stands before we before we were on the field, and so for us, it, it I feel like, not that it means more to us, but it's a different a different feeling um you know we we're lucky enough to have our family or our family and friends so close uh we can get them out to games we can you know to be close to home to to have that support system around you obviously we, it's it's a huge advantage you know uh but to play you know thinking back going around running around giant stadium watching the metro stars play and really getting into Red Bull Arena for the first time. You know, my parents had season tickets, and so I was in there for almost every game before uh, even being on the field. And so it's it's definitely a, it's a humbling experience, you know, being on both sides of the ball, being on both sides of the stands. And it's, uh, you know, something you, it's hard to put into words because it's it truly means the world to me. You know, you think of for yourself, and we've already said you're starting your eighth year as a professional. Um, and as you move into preseason, which you're smack in the middle of right now, I think every player would say preseason can be a little bit of a grind. But for you, and I will say this with a big smile on my face, jealous of you in a way, you're enjoying the last year in your 20s before you hit a pretty significant milestone. Do you, like, does the start of the season are you still excited for it, even though, yes, preseason is long. Yes, you're away from your, your family, which we'll talk about in a minute as well. But you still have an opportunity to play the game that you've loved your whole life. Yeah, it's there's there's no better feeling than the start of a season. Obviously, preseason is definitely a grind, uh, especially the way we want to play. It, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of commitment for the guys, not only – during preseason but in the off season to make sure they're staying fit to make sure that we come in and we can hit the ground running and we don't have to play catch up on fitness and you know get guys to where they need to be I think everyone has done a really good job over the past couple years knowing the standards knowing what we need to do to play how we want everyone does a good job in the off season to stay fit and make sure that they come in in uh, in a good way and so I think you know it was no different this year as it was last year we hit the ground running we're able to do things that other teams aren't able to do because of our standards. Um, and, you know, we, we have a lot of new guys and we need to get these guys up to speed on how we play and, you know, our tactics and our philosophies. And, you know, it's an, it's an exciting time because you get to meet a lot of new guys and you get to see, 
you see your friends that you haven't seen in a you know a couple of months and so it's it's a fun time you get to learn about the new guys you get to you know kind of get a feel of who they are what they're going to bring to the team and um you know we we enjoy it obviously it's it's a process and we know that uh it's business first and we need to prepare for upcoming champions league so you know we enjoy the little time we do off the field but when we're on the field it's uh all business so you think in your time here with red bull you've seen a couple different head coaches you've seen a couple different sporting directors a couple different styles of play how much easier has it been to have and i would say as a as a fan myself going all the way back to the first days of major league soccer metro stars into the red bulls how much easier has it been to be part of the organization and maybe for the first time in a long time feel like everybody is on the same page you can go down and you know you're a perfect example you can go down and talk to the academy players about the same things that you guys on the senior roster do in practice it's really incredible actually if you think about it um the philosophy that runs down from the first team all the way to the development academy uh, through the the regional development school it's it's a seamless philosophy throughout our academy or through our organization as a whole and that's only going to breed more success for us in the future uh you know if we're able to teach the 12 year old kids in our academy how we want to play they're going to be playing that way until they're, you know, going through high school, playing with the playing with the academy teams, coming through the ranks, you know, working their way up to to the USL team where they're playing the same philosophy and then hopefully signing with the first team. I mean it's it's something you don't see at a lot of places and it's something you haven't seen here in my in the beginning of my career. You know, we're very lucky to have an incredible academy, an incredible training facility, an incredible club that dedicates so much time and effort into the youth of this club and so it's it's only going to pay incredible dividends in the future and so for me it's it's I'm jealous of the kids now who are coming through um, the academy and who are signing with the USL team and who sign with the first team when they're 16 years old um, you know I'm jealous of the process that they get to go through but um, you know I'm I'm trying to be the best professional I can to help them along the way and anything that I can do to give back to the club that's given me so much I'll I'll absolutely do. Connor Lee joining us on our Players Only podcast. We'll have Derek Etienne Jr. coming on in just a little bit. New York in the final stretches of preseason getting ready to open up down at the Dominican Republic part of the Champions League. You know, I think one of the things, Connor, that is interesting about your career as you start your professional career with the Red Bulls, you go through a couple years uh, and almost in those first two years, it looks like you might be moving yourself into a mainstay. And then all of a sudden, the 2014 year comes. A little bit of a frustration. You get loaned to the Cosmos. And I know, having listened to you, talked about this a little bit before in, in different uh, stages, that year being with another group and another organization, as maybe difficult as it was, was probably a little bit of a turning point for you to get minutes figure out maybe where you are still in the early stages of your career, and then you come back to the Red Bulls in, in 2015, um, and, and you've been kind of a, a mainstay of the lineup ever since. Yeah. I, you know, you talk, you talk to guys about their careers, and they say it's going to be a roller coaster. Um, you know, some guys are very lucky to come in and start their whole career and really be mainstays in their teams. 
I was very lucky to have a great first year with the club. Um, you know, I came in with not a lot of expectations. I was excited about signing with my hometown team. I was just said I was going to put my head down, keep working hard. And early on in that year, I was given an opportunity, and I really didn't look back from there. Um, I think that was, you know, it was a great year. Um, obviously, looking back, uh, you know, I was able to go to a January camp. I was able to go train with Sevilla. It was it was a lot on my first year, you know, coming from college, playing a full season, training the whole off season, and you know, as exciting as it was, as you know, the memories that I made were incredible. But I I feel like I maybe did a little bit too much. I feel like my body maybe necessarily wasn't ready for that type of load, and and then coming directly back into preseason, then I picked up a couple injuries along the way and was kind of never really able to get back on track of where I was that rookie year and it was frustrating for sure um uh you know having to deal with injuries having to deal with being out of the lineup uh you know a lot of different factors along the way it was a difficult experience but you know I tried to keep working through it just try to keep keep working hard and that 2014 season it was you know obviously it's tough you never want to leave your club you never want to you know be out of the lineup but you know to go with the Cosmos was the best thing for me obviously we didn't have the USL team we didn't have uh you know we had the reserve league which in itself wasn't the best wasn't much it wasn't wasn't a whole lot you're you're you know trying to sign some guys off the street sometimes to fill out those rosters and you know playing the mornings after games it wasn't ideal and so for me to go with the Cosmos was, I think I can attribute the one of one of the best decisions um, that I made and was made for me in my career. Um, it was it was an incredible time there. Um, you know, I wasn't there for for the longest time, but it was you know first class club, a great coach, and Giovanni Savarese, and you know a club legend. So it was nice to play for him and. A group of great guys and for them to bring me in I was very thankful and you know it restored my confidence uh, it restored a lot of what I was looking for in kind of getting back on track to that first year and so I can thank them for a lot and kind of getting my career back on track and I don't want to look as it as a stepping stone because it really wasn't I it meant a whole lot more than that to me and so it was uh I, I don't know a way to put it that's not you know different from that but there was uh it was essential to my career I'll put it that way and you know then coming back in 2015 I felt I felt ready to go I felt ready to establish myself back in the team and kind of haven't looked back since. Well, haven't looked back in a way um, and not to go from maybe one turning point to another, but you go through 15, then you've got an injury issue that comes up. Remember the game in in Los Angeles and having been there and and calling it the second you went down, I was thinking to myself, that that doesn't look good. And it turned out not to be good, but then having to come back from a knee injury because, you know, once you're in for a couple of years and you're in the league for a couple of years, and as you get older, there are guys coming up underneath that ultimately want to take your spot. You think of frustration, 
how frustrating was it for you to be on the verge, I feel like, of, of being even more established than you were to the injury and then having to work your way back? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, another another big loop on the roller coaster ride. Um, <clears throat> obviously, I think I was playing probably the best I've played uh, since I signed that year. And I feel like I was really establishing myself within the team and really, uh, you know, kind of playing the way I wanted to. And for, for that to happen, obviously, you can't predict these things. You can't. You, you don't know when these speed bumps are going to come along your career, but um, as disappointing as it was, it was another defining moment in my career. It gave me a chance to take a step back, realize how much I love this game. Uh, you know, you can go two different directions with an injury like that. You can, you know, can kind of pack it in, be like, you know, pity yourself a little bit. You know, I, this is what it could have been, you know, but... I have an incredible support system around me with my family, my wife, my my friends. You know, it's another advantage of being a homegrown player. You're, you're home. You don't have to fly. You have to have people fly in to take care of you. You're and at a world-class club that gives you incredible surgeons and incredible hospital, special hospital for special surgeries. They were, they were incredible. Um, and you know, they pieced me back together. They made me stronger. And it was, as I said, it was a defining point in my career where I gained a new love for the game. You know, being able to miss something that much. Uh, when you come back, you you never want to miss another moment. And so there's a lot of trials and tribulations along the way. And, uh, you know, I like to think that they've only made me stronger, and that was uh, one of the toughest tests. Two more, two more before we go. One on the more serious side and one hopefully you can have a little bit of fun with uh on the serious side you mentioned having the support system in place with your family you mentioned your wife now it's not just you and your wife it's you your wife and a little girl what's it like because i you know there's only so many guys on the team that i can ask this question to what's it like to be a professional athlete and have a newborn baby still young at home it's it's honestly the greatest feeling in the world um Having my daughter was, uh, you know, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it right now. Being away from her is really tough right now. Uh, you know, my wife's having to be a warrior at home, having a newborn who's going through a little bit of a sleep regression right now, and she's not sleeping a whole lot, and so she's putting in the hard work. She, she's actually funny. She was, uh, the other day we had, actually yesterday, we had an off day and got to play golf a little bit, got to sleep in, and she's... She's I'm like, sure I, that went over real well. She's like, well I know, I know you're working real hard, but you're on vacation right now. And but it's, you know, being a professional athlete and having a daughter, I've always looked up to those guys who got to bring their daughter or their son around the field, and that's something that I've always wanted to do. I think most guys want to do throughout their careers, be able to share that moment with their family and their kids. And the first time bringing my daughter down the field, I, that was, you know, I was crying like walking around the field because this is you know, a moment that I'm never going to forget. And uh, it it definitely, you know, having to provide for her now. And, you know, it's, it's definitely very special. And it's something that makes every road trip tougher. But, uh, you know, it's 
it's something that you know every moment is 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 sweeter now every every win you know getting to see her after the game getting to see my wife and seeing how happy she is to see her on the field with me it's it's really something that you can't describe it's just so so special and something that uh i'll never forget all right last one before we let you go um as as You've crossed paths a couple of times with this player. Is it true or not true that you are responsible for the success that Tim Parker has had as a professional since you mentored him while he was at St. John's? You know, oh, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll take some credit, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I really... Wait, listen, we've, we've had him on already, <laughs> so you can actually take all the credit if you want perfect, to. Perfect, perfect. I'll take it all. No, no, Tim's a great guy. Um you know, I, w- I was lucky to play with him for a season, um, a very good season. You know, we got we got to lift some hardware in Red Bull Arena, something we hope to do this year with uh, with the Red Bulls. But um, you know, Tim Tim came into St. John's as a you know I don't know 18 year old man child, and uh, he always had a good head on his shoulder, so it was easy to get along with. Uh, you know, he was mature beyond his years and. You know, both physically and mentally, and uh, you know, for when when it was uh, getting close to a deal getting done for him to come home, it was uh, I was really excited. Um, you know, not only see an, an old friend again, but to uh, to know how much he can make our team better. It was it was really really exciting, and uh, you know, he to see what he's done over his uh, career so far. Um, I'm just super proud of him knowing where he's come from he comes from a great family and uh to know how excited they are to have him home is is uh it's awesome and uh you know obviously he makes our back line a lot stronger and uh we're just very lucky to have him and Sure, I'll take a little bit of credit, I guess, for little mentoring bit. him along the way. Take a little <laughs> bit. Listen, thanks for coming by, giving us some minutes. Um, continued success, continued health. Uh, can't wait to see the family come February 27th when you guys are back at home. Look forward to also seeing you February 20th next week in the Dominican Republic. Looking forward to another great run in the Champions League. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, Matt. That's Connor Laid. We'll take a quick break here as we've been kicking it with the Red Bull veteran. We'll come back, talk on the other side with another homegrown, Derek Etienne Jr., all on the New York Red Bulls radio network. Download the New York Red Bulls app today to stay up to date on everything New York Red Bulls. Buy, share, and scan your tickets. Get all the latest news and content and listen to New York Red Bulls radio in English and Spanish. Then flip to arena mode to find concessions near your location and get real-time answers from the Red Bulls chatbot. Available now on iOS and Android or visit NewYorkRedBulls.com for more information. As we wrap up episode five of our Players Only podcast, kicking it. Matt Harmon back here from the New York Red Bulls radio network. A good chat with a Red Bull homegrown star, Connor Laid. And in what is a theme on this episode five, we'll hop into another homegrown star. That is Derek Etienne Jr., who's good enough to give us some time here. As the Red Bulls still in preseason mode, getting set for their Champions League game down in the Dominican Republic. First game away, second game back at home at Red Bull Arena. That will be on February 27th. Derek, how you doing? I'm doing good. Red Bull kicking it. I like that. Red Bull kicking it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Checked. That passes your test. Yes. Um, all right. So as I was thinking about when we were when we were talking with Connor in the first part, we, we mentioned that he is the longest tenured player 
of the Red Bull roster as it's constructed right now. But then as I went back and, and thought about it for you, not necessarily from a professional standpoint, but you have been with the club and the franchise for a long time. This is Derek Etienne, U14 Academy player. Yeah. Do you even remember who that guy was? Uh, Yeah, he's a, little, he's a real small guy. Always getting bullied and stuff. But hey, uh, 10 years strong. Hopefully I uh, can continue on the right path and keep going. So I like it. You know, as I, as we talked to, to Connor about like his relationship through the Academy and how things have changed, um, you're a good one to ask that too, you know, because the, the synergy of where the club is now from top to bottom, the playing style, uh, everything that goes into what it's like to be a Red Bull player, probably different now than it was when you were coming up through the system. Yeah, it was totally different. Um, like I've, I've said multiple times, you know, uh, when Ali and Jesse came, they really changed and uh, shook things up. Um, like when, I think when I was just coming in, they just signed Juan. That was the the guy. That was the 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 role models to look up to. And then they then they got Connor and then a couple other guys. But then now you look at it, you know, we're signing a homegrown every every single year. Uh, my year, there were six of us. So uh, I think um, it shows the emphasis that we're putting into young players and how much um, you know. Chris, Dennis, and, and the and the coaching staff put into to developing young talent, and you know, it's always good to start with the academy. There's a lot of good academy players out there, so hopefully, you know, one day we'll be able to put out, uh, you know, a starting eleven of of homegrown players. That'll be something special. And you know, as as I've talked, whether it was down in Florida and now here in Arizona, talk with some of the guys that are that are homegrown guys. Um, no matter whether you've been in the league for a long time, like Connor, yourself. A couple of years, Sean, a couple of years, somebody new um, like Omir who just got signed or Alex who's kind of in the same boat as you. Do you guys have a, a, a special bond that, you know, not that you can't have those kind of conversations and friendships with other players on the team because I know you do, but those guys who are academy players that are homegrown signees, that's kind of your own group in a way. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's something special because, you know, you can say you've been here for a long time you, you've been able to see the different regimes and things like that when I look at it you know me and Alex have been playing together since you know 16 so you know we've actually seen uh been able to see each other you know grow from to boys to young men so to see that that uh, maturing process you know same thing with Sean Davis and, and guys like that it definitely is something special to be able to to be uh you know a kid in the stands in the, the academy section or a ball boy on the outside to now you know, you going up to, to hey, can you give me a ball to the ball boy. So it's it's definitely something special that we hold dear to our hearts. As you think about how how your career has unfolded, um, you made the decision after a year at UVA to become a professional, sign your homegrown contract. Now a few years into it, where does Derek Etienne put himself in terms of his own professional career? Now a couple years in, from where you started a few years ago to now heading into the 2019 season. Um, I mean, I think I think it's been a, a very big, uh, a bi- it was a very big step for me. I felt that you know to be able to to try to become the best player I could be, I had to leave early. When I look at it, you know, this year would have been my my draft class. So I look at it that way. How you have guys who were um, you know, 22, 23 coming out of the draft. I'm in my going into my fourth year as a professional, and just to see like the little things and um, and uh, stuff like that. And then I think you know comes with confidence. The more and more you 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 uh, are a pro. I think when you learn the system, I think from me being here from uh, first leaving, I think you know I knew the system a little bit, but to be three years in, I 
you can you can say uh, like you know you really buy into the system being here this long. Um, I think I've become a, a better a better player tactically, um, and you know a better person. You know to be able to to contribute to the group and you know I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a vocal leader or a leader like that, but you know you do gain uh, a little bit more of a leadership role when you've been here for a long time. If it's being a homegrown, helping the other homegrowns and and draftees like that, because you know at the end of the day we're around the same age, but uh, you know you have that like I said more confidence when you've been here for a long time. All right, you just used the word vocal to describe yourself and you have now put a huge smile on your face (laughs) because as i have had the fortunate um ability to cover the team since 2015 this will be our fifth year doing new york red bulls radio stuff as it's as it's been constructed i have noticed that as the years have gone on with you you have become more and more vocal when it comes to things in practice nobody stresses winning or losing more in practice if you lose a game it seems to me that there's always something that goes along with it a bad call a coach's decision you seem to be very upset at practice when you win or lose uh yeah I mean uh I think that's something I probably learned from my father he hates losing so he uh he always brought that to my attention and then you know if it if it's that the team the other team is better then so be it I have to I have to shut my mouth but you know I'm definitely gonna make it known if I feel like the uh, call was missed or you know guys are cheating I'll definitely call you out for that so yeah I, I'm a I, th- I think I'm very competitive you can see that you know I I'm very uh very hard on myself in my uh in the way I play and you know I don't like being cheated so Chris uh sometimes Dennis CJ Preston I want you guys to get the calls right so I know you're gonna hear this so. All right, so as you think about um, the guys on the team right now, you go through a practice session, and everything that goes out onto the field is is competitive. Uh, you guys are all friendly. You're all teammates. You're all working towards the same goal. But when it comes to practice time, it is, as you said, win or lose. You want to be able to be the best team on that particular day. Who are the guys that when you have to play against them, you know right off the bat, that guy's a cheater? A cheater? Yeah. Uh, oh man, put me on the spot here. Uh, cheater. Um, I don't know. I don't think there's really that many cheaters. I think uh, who bends the rules a little more than the next Who bends the rules guy. a little? I think. Uh, I think Luis gets away with bending the rules a little bit. Um, you know, the old the older guys really get the benefit of the doubt. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll say that a lot of the guys, you know, we, we're, I think we're honest players, so che- we don't really allow cheating. But definitely, the older guys do bend the rules a little bit and might get away with something yeah. here or there. Mm-hmm. They get you know little fouls that you know should be called or could be called. They get the benefit of the doubt. Oh, I didn't see it, so yeah, I'll say the older guys. I'm not sure that you gave me an honest <laughs> answer there, but I won't push you too much. Definitely in this first episode. Definitely the older guys. By midseason, we're gonna get specific. Well, yeah, I'll get yeah, I'll specific, specific names I'll get specific. the next yeah. time that we have you on. Um, speaking of of a veteran guy who who I think and I've seen it myself over the course of set, definitely the last couple of years on the practice field, you seem to have a real good relationship and interaction with Brad. Uh, you know, probably for you as a younger player when you first started to look up to him, but now as you become more of a veteran, but he's he's still a veteran. He's he's a guy that you do really respect and and have an excellent relationship with. Yeah, um, I think it started when I first got here. Uh, Brad, Lloyd, Sam, Sean Wright—they really, you know, especially Lloyd and and Sean Wright being in my position, they were 
they were really uh, on me to make sure I was able to to bring the most I could to the team. And then, you know, once those guys moved on, Brad, I would say, definitely really stepped up. You know, he 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 believes in me a lot and he puts a lot on me to, you know, to, to show up every day and be professional. And I think, you know, that's something that as an attacking player you can learn from because he's he's willing to give you his two cents to let you know uh, about how he did think how things went for him when he was a young guy, you know, just steer you in the right path. So definitely uh, Brad's definitely been a big help to me. And I just uh, hopefully I'm able to repay that back to him with my performances. Well, listen, when does it become um, because, OK, so you, you, you sign your first career and as a brand new player in those couple of early years, you could probably say he's a mentor to you. When does it stop becoming a mentorship, and when does it become more of an even relationship between the two of you? Um, I think uh, as a young guy, the first thing you have to do is is establish the respect between your your peers and your teammates. So I think once I got that, it was yeah, it was a, a mentorship. But I think probably um, two years ago that my yeah my second 2017. year, two thousand seventeen. Yeah, two thousand seventeen. I think it became more of a you know um, uh, a mutual respect that is, you know, coming into preseason, being able to, to establish myself. I think that's when I really got the, um, when it became less of a mentorship and more of a, you know, a a respect and partnership. You said that he expects a lot out of you and, and you are very hard on yourself as you move into what I'm going to say, really your third full year in major league soccer, even though, um, you had signed a professional career going into the 2015 season, but your third year now is really an MLS player is does the pressure get less or is the pressure more because you're expecting more of yourself the longer that you're in the league um I think it's a little bit of both because you know um when you when you progress and become uh, more part of the team and and more developed in the league you want to do more things but I think the good thing about the uh this team in general is that no one guy is really really dependent on you know it's the system above all things so um we know we know the system. We know it's going to put us in good spots. So no matter who's there, we know that we're going to get uh 150 percent out of everyone. But then again, yeah, there is more pressure because as a as a competitor like I am, and as a, a professional like I am, I wanna I wanna help the team. So whether that's you know scoring goals, uh, creating chances, things like that, I think that's definitely a pressure that you know I put on my on myself. And that you know, like I said, Brad will, will you know once once more goals and once more assists. Uh, all the Danny wants more goals, wants more assists. So when you when you look at it that way, you know there is a pressure, but I don't I don't see it as a bad thing. I think it's just you know something that comes along with the title and comes along with the game. Seventeen appearances, not including playoffs, Open Cup, Champions League in 2017, thirty a year ago. Uh, so you've become a bigger part of the team in the course of the last couple of years. What I want to ask you about is. As a younger player, um, in those first year and year and a half, you've got one head coach in Jesse Marsh. Then last year, Chris takes over as, as Jesse uh, makes his move over to Europe. What's that like from a player standpoint, especially a younger player standpoint? Because in a way, even though Chris was part of the staff, you've almost put yourself in a position, I would think, where you've proven yourself, or even though it's a continuing process, to one coach, and now all of a sudden you have to do it in maybe a little different way with a brand new coach? Yeah, um, you know, uh, I think it was a, a really smooth transition with with Chris from Jesse. Of course, there's little things um, that, you know, Jeff, Jesse emphasized more that uh, more than Chris and same thing, vice versa. So um, I think the best, the easiest thing about it was the system really didn't change. 
Um, I think for for me, you know, I had a close relationship with Chris as an assistant coach when Jesse was here, and then as um, as he moved on to the head coach, the relationship really didn't change. But you know, there's a difference between you know assistant coach Chris and head coach Chris. So that really, I wouldn't say anything really changed there. It was just you know continuing to to make sure that I put myself in the conversation to to con- continue to get minutes. So for the most part, I don't think there's really anything that really changed other than the fact that, you know, the little nuances that were different between Jesse and Chris. Derek Etienne Jr. joining us here, our Red Bull Radio Network Players Only podcast kicking it. Derek Etienne Jr., which means that there is a Derek Etienne Sr. And I know uh, your dad, really important in terms of your development and love of the game, professional player in a couple of different spots, including Long Island, including Richmond, uh, also a member of the Haitian national team, which we'll talk about. You've made your mark there as well. What was it like growing up with that surroundings as a young kid, young player? Uh, I think it was the, you know, the, one of the best things I could ask for. I think if you talk to anyone who has a, who has a, um, who had a father who was uh, blessed enough to play in the same and have the same professionalism, I think you'll hear that from them too. Um, one thing about my dad I can say is that I never felt the pressure to to play soccer. So um, when I was younger, I would be at his practices. When summer when summer uh, happened, I wasn't in summer school, thankfully. So I was able to you know, be at all the practices from driving to him to, him to Long Island, the, the late ride backs to watching um, – soccer on TV with him I think he was a uh, he was very instrumental in the way I the way I am today uh, like I said he instilled that that competitiveness in me but also uh, a lot of confidence because my dad was my first coach so he he saw something uh, in me that was able to you know to that he was able to bring out and then I think the reason why I'm so hard on myself now is because you know after after games uh, in the car if I had a terrible game he's asking me from the age of 10 to probably uh 16 that yeah what did you do wrong he wasn't really the guy to to tell me what I did wrong and what was was going on uh he wanted me to understand um all the things that I did wrong at an early age so that way when he's not there to talk to me I'm able to do that on my own so I think that's a a big uh, piece of it and then also you know having my uncle there too uh another another a different type of player um, I think that they just balance each other out in a, in a good way that was able to help me to be the, the professional I am today. Who um, Do you still talk to your dad after games today? Like, Do you have that conversation that you used to have in the car ride at 10, 11, 12? Do you still have it now at 22? Will, will you talk to him religiously after a game, or is it just whenever you can kind of catch up? No, well, my dad actually comes to a lot of the home games. My, my dad, my mom, and my sister, though they're at almost every single home game unless my sister has a game. But yeah, uh, I either see him in the uh, the Audi room, or you know, in the in the family lounge. We'll talk a little bit, and then on their ride home, in my ride home, we'll get on the phone and and we'll talk about things. But yeah, I, I think that that's a uh, you know a bond that me and my dad were, uh, forever share. That you know, even if I'm not playing, there's a game on TV. We'll I'll call him and we'll talk about it. So I think uh, I think that's something that's very important to to understand that you know to have that that special person in your corner. Is the conversation still the same? Is it still you tell me what you did wrong rather than I'm going to tell you what yeah, you did that's, wrong? It's, that's exactly what it is. And then, you know, he doesn't sugarcoat things. So I know I, I'm not able to. So I have to, even when there's games when if he's not able to watch it, he'll ask my, my mom. And she's she's been able to grow in her soccer knowledge throughout the year. So uh, one thing that they'll do is my mom will tell my dad how the game went. 
and then when I call him, he'll he'll already know. So he, he's making sure that I'm completely honest with him and tell him all the stuff. So your mom's become a little bit of a soccer aficionado, I, I would think, right? I mean, yes. she's become that person who can say, yeah, my son had a good game tonight or he was a little bit off or whatever the story might uh, be. A hundred percent. And she's definitely, uh, she's a little nicer, nicer in the way she presents it to me. But yeah, that's just being a mom. Yeah, but she'll definitely still tell me, yeah, you suck today. So, oh, you should have finished that. So, I mean, I think that's the best thing about my family is that uh, sometimes we might be a little brutally honest, but, you know, it's always honesty. And we always know that at the end of the day, once the once the job is over, once that's over, you know, we're still family. We still love each other. All right. So you got your dad. You've got you. Is there any truth to the rumor that your sister might be the best soccer player in the entire family? Yeah, I think it's true. Uh She's a, like, a, I'll say that I like to take risk. I don't know, it may be uncalculated risk at sometimes if you ask some of my teammates. But my sister's uh, poised and calculated, and I think it, it's once she understands that, you know, you can take risk, I think that's going to be another another notch in her game, and she's going to def- definitely uh, uh, just push herself along. I mean, I look at it this way. I've been, I'm 22 now, U17, U20 World Cup, I haven't been. And she's 17, and she's already been to the U20 World Cup. So, I mean, I think that speaks for for it right there. When you think about your experience now, and you've become, in a way, a, a regular guy for the Haitian national team, um, how is that translation from international soccer to being a professional in Major League Soccer? How do the two go together? Does, does one complement more to the other? Do they do – they, being an MLS player help you on the national stage? Does being a national team help you on the MLS stage? Um, I think um, because the playing styles of Red Bull and the Haitian national team are different, I think in a way, because I feel that, you know, the the amount of running that we do as um, as a team and individually on Red Bulls, I think that helps me in a, in a way with the, the national team because we're not as much of a, a fully pressing team. So I feel like, you know, I have a... Um, a fitness edge over over some guys who know who are playing in the system where it's like they're allowed to hang out or things like that but then I think at the end of the day I think the national team helps me as well with with Red Bull I think um I went away for uh um I, think, I forgot who we played but we beat a team I think 14 nothing and I was able to score there then I come back I still had that confidence with from that goal and I was able to score against Toronto and I think that like it was just a, a weight lifted off my shoulders to see you know the ball hit the back of the net with the national team and then having that confidence to come back with uh, uh, with Red Bull, I think you know, um, I think in that that sense, the national team definitely does help me because you know I'm playing more minutes with the national team, so that gives me more confidence to come back. So as a, as an attacking player, right? And and in your years here with New York, you played a little bit up top as a striker, but mostly now as an outside midfielder, an outside attacking midfielder. You talk about putting the ball in the back of the net. Is that really the I'll say the ultimate feeling of success, but even on the other side too, the ultimate feeling of of pressure and disappointment when it's hard. Because, you know, they say if you're a goal scorer, sometimes they come in bunches. Sometimes you can go a long time without scoring and then you might get a couple in a row. But if you're a goal scorer, that's your job, mm-hmm. right? You're supposed to go out and score goals. And when you don't, it's it's and I can have can remember having this conversation with Brad a couple of times over the course of the last couple of years. If he doesn't score, he feels like he completely let everybody down, even if he had a fantastic game in, in any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, you know, uh, we all put that pressure on ourselves as attacking players t- to get goals. And um, so when we don't, when we get chances and we don't finish it, yeah, we do feel that we let the let the team down. But then again, um, 
Brad's a, a goal scorer. That's, you know, for as everyone else sees it, that's his job for us. But people don't understand the, the amount of work that that uh, that he puts in day in, day out. So um, I, I first I st- uh, started thinking, you know, yeah, I need to score more goals. I need to score more goals. And, that, you know, when you have that mindset, you know, you're tense in front of goal. You know, chances that you'll finish in practice, you'll you'll miss. So I started looking at, you know, how many chances can I can I get? And then, you know, if I can be clinical. But then again, you know, if you're not scoring the goals, what else is it that you're doing? You don't want to be someone that if you're not scoring, you're you're useless to the game, things like that. So I think um, as I've gotten older and, you know, more time with the first team, I've realized that, you know, yes, I want to score. Yes, I want individual individual stats and things like that but at the end of the day the most important thing is the team win so if I'm not doing I can score all the goals I want but if at the end of the day if I score a hat trick and we lose 4-3 that doesn't help the team at all so um I think maturing wise I think I've I've realized that you know it's not all about the goals but if you can put good performances in day in and day out the goals will come and I think that's been shown uh throughout the year five goals last year I'm sure more to come this year uh thanks for coming by giving us a couple of minutes here look forward to doing it down the line as well keep chirping at practice because you make it entertaining <laughs> to come and cover the team on a consistent basis I'll definitely continue because it's not, not stopping anytime soon that's Derek Etienne Jr our thanks to Connor Laid as well our producer of this podcast Gordon Stevenson I'm Matt Harmon from the Red Bulls Radio Network episode five of kicking it in the books we'll see you episode six Thank you.